Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, True Roger fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today we're going to talk some USC Trojan football with reports from USC Fall Camp, which started over the weekend. We got Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. He was out there this weekend. We're going to talk to him about what he saw at USC practice and get to all of your questions. And speaking of questions, we love to hear from you. Email us, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or you can leave us a voicemail a couple different ways. Go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page, and you can leave a voicemail right from your device. Or you can call us at 641-715-3900. Then put our mailbox number, 816-646. That's 816-646. Leave us a voicemail, and we'd love to play it. We do have a voicemail question or two for you today. And if you want to listen to the podcast on iTunes, it's a great way to subscribe. We'd love for you to subscribe and give us a rating on iTunes. You go to iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast, and you can find us right away. So a lot of ways to get a hold of us. Without further ado, let's talk some USC football. Coach Harvey Hyde is in the house. What's up, Coach? How you doing? How you doing, Ryan? Here we are. We're getting closer and closer to football, and uh, I had a chance to get on to uh, Brian Kennedy Stadium or whatever you want to call it. Brian Kennedy Field, right? Yeah, Brian Kennedy Field and Howard Brian. Jones Field, and I think Brian Kennedy Field is the side. They call that the side Right, so I had a chance to get on there yesterday and take a look around and see the new field, and uh, really looks nice. They've got a lot of painting on the walls to go around as far as uh, the number of All-Americans and Heisman, Heisman Trophy winners and all of the above, and uh, it was a good afternoon because I had a chance to spend a lot of time with all the media guys as we huddled around and, and spoke about uh, what have you been doing and what do you think of practice and what do you think of this kid and what do you think of that. And it's, uh, it was a really, really interesting day, and uh, I th- I'm sure we'll talk about it. Yeah, we will. And I want to, before we jump into that, just wanted to thank our sponsor, uh, SCTickets.com, Southern California Tickets. If you need tickets for any sporting event or the theater or concert across the country, check out SCTickets.com. They'll hook you up. They've been helping us out on the Peristyle Podcast for many, many years. We really appreciate that, and there'll be a more e- uh, in-depth Message from them at the at the end of the show, but you can give them a call at one eight hundred eight 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 seven two eight seven, or go to sctickets.com. And coach, I guess we you know I wanted to start out because this whole off season we're talking about you know off season workouts or recruiting or you know some spring practices, but now the season is just about here. Got to see these guys uh, over the weekend. No pads yet, so they practiced on Saturday, practiced on Sunday. Both of us missed Saturday because we both had weddings on Saturday night. Interesting they opened camp on a Saturday night. But, yeah, a lot of people would miss the first practice because of weddings. But I just wanted to kind of get your impressions of of what you saw out there. Maybe we can start with, you know, we split it up offense, defense. Maybe we can start with the offensive side and, uh, you know, what you saw out there. Well, Ryan, let's let's start this way. As far as a group of athletes, uh, I think it's a genuine, genuine uh, group of athletes. I, I mean, uh, you hear me say this every year. I wouldn't change – USC's roster with any other roster in the Pac-12. I've said that every year. Now I'm really saying it. Not that other teams don't have tremendous players. They do. There's a lot of parity in the Pac-12. But yesterday what I saw was depth, 
the best depth I've seen and talent I've seen at USC, I would say, for four or five years. And I know they've been on sanctions, don't get me wrong. But they've got uh, young players that can play, young players that are talented. I didn't have a chance to evaluate all the players, only in the area we were at. I was able to look at the inside linebackers. I was able to look at some of the receivers. I was able to look at some of the defensive backs. Didn't have really an opinion yet on the offensive linemen or defensive linemen. But I'll get that opinion uh, as we move along. I was more or less associating myself and trying to become accustomed to the players and the positions they're playing and the speed and quickness they have and their knowledge of the game and all of the above. And uh, when I looked at them yesterday, there's no doubt, and I'm not trying to put the kiss of death on, death on anybody, but it's a talented football team. And it's going to get talented with the recruiting class they're getting now in 2016. So the talent is there. On the offensive side of the football, I think I was impressed. You asked me that question. With probably the receivers and the running backs. I thought the three running backs that have come in that are freshmen are absolutely fantastic. This uh, Jones kid is a really breakaway, tremendous back. Where is and so is Davis. They're all got great speed. All three have great speed and good hands. I was really impressed. And Trey, Trey Madden has really recovered. He looked good and solid. And Suma Vanuku, and he runs so hard for a big kid and such a winner he really is. Uh, he's definitely the captain type of guy for me. As far as the receivers, I like both junior college receivers that have come in. I think Hampton and I think uh, Isaac is really both of them tremendous talent. They're big. They're fast. Uh, they're going to challenge, and other receivers are really going to have to compete to keep their jobs. So uh, on the offensive side, I didn't have a chance to see the linemen, so obviously I can't comment on them. So on the offensive side, after, of course, just the second day of practice, there's a lot of enthusiasm out there, and there's a, uh, appears to me a lot of team speed. Yeah, you know, and I, I was got to – it's hard to see the linemen. We're, for people who don't know, we're kind of uh, shuffled off into a corner, I guess you could say. Um, on this, you know, we have to, when you come into the practice field, we're on the left side. So we're really limited some of the sight views and a lot of the players kind of line up and they could block the field. So some of the, some of the drills, we just have a hard time, um, seeing. They have to keep the media separate from, uh, parents of players and, uh, the fans that come in to watch practice. So they, they keep us in separate, uh, little pens, I guess you could say, surrounded by ropes. Um, but yeah, the, but, I got to watch some of the freshman quarterbacks, uh, Ricky Town and Sam Darnold, and after, I thought they looked pretty good. And, and after practice, Steve Sarkeesian said that he thought Ricky Town is playing a lot better than he was uh, in the spring. Seems like he's learned a lot and matured a lot. And Sam Darnold, all the kinds of athleticism. He made a bunch of cool plays. What did you see from the, the freshman quarterbacks? No, I agree with you. I just missed that. I'm glad you followed up with that. I thought Max Brown has really improved and more mature. Cody, of course, is a true winner and a great competitor, and he threw the ball well. I thought Sam Donald really threw the ball well, and I think Town, too, is a, a good mix in there for the quarterback situation. I, I don't think there's any lacking of talent at quarterback. Uh, as far as uh, running ability, I'd say Donald has the best running ability, but as far as in-the-pocket type of quarterback and, and the drop-back passer and a little play-action, I think these guys all fit the style of offense that they're running currently now. Well, not really outside outside running, but fit the area of the passing game. And then on the uh, defensive side of the ball, what I thought was interesting, Coach, um, 
you know, you talk about the depth. It's a much deeper team now. And when we when they signed this recruiting class, if you looked at the defensive class they signed, which was, I think, 13 guys or something, it was basically like a whole defensive unit. I mean, you had four guys in the secondary. You had four uh, linebackers. And you had five defensive linemen. So, I mean, you could just trot out all the, the new freshmen for this recruiting class, and it would be a, a very competitive defense. And I saw they were kind of mixing. It wasn't always like this is the first team, this is the second team, but one of the secondary units, they threw out all four freshmen. And one of the linebacker units, they threw out all four freshman linebackers. So it was kind of fun to see these guys get in. And when you talk about depth, like a whole line of, you know, of each level of the defense that wasn't there last year, you could use this year. So, I mean, it's, it add a lot to the depth, but maybe just get your thoughts on some of the young guys and also what you saw from, from USC on defense. Well, as far as I had a chance to see the inside linebackers because they had their drills in front of us. I didn't have a chance at all to see the outside linebackers. I don't know where they did their individual drills, but I, they did do uh, one individual drill, the inside linebackers in front of us. And number 58, I almost call him Ray Mal- Malaluga. Uh, <laughs> I really do. Uh, I, I, I probably will start calling him that. He looks like Ray Malaluga, uh, Osa Messina. Uh, what a good-looking kid. He's got great ability. He's always in a good football position. He's going to mature into a great player. Not that he isn't a great player now, but he shows maturity, and he reminds me of Ray. Uh, as far as the other backers, uh, Dawson uh, is running around. Serrano's got a good attitude. He worked hard yesterday. Felix looks bigger than what he's looked in the past. And say, same with Ruffin. Ruffin looks uh, larger and more mature now, bigger guns on him and so on. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, Jay, uh, Houston, Houston's tall. He's a little thinner uh, than uh, Messina and uh, trying to think who else. But Hutchings is out there. Uh, I, I'm going to miss some because I don't have a roster in front of me, and I apologize if I miss someone. But as a group, I think it's an excellent group of inside linebackers. I really do. They can rotate them around. They've got kids that can run and hit. Oh, I know who I Cameron Smith, too. Yeah. Uh, I like Cameron, number 35. I think he really is a tough kid and, and uh, fits the role. So, overall, I think the inside linebackers pass the eye test. And I think they'll also pass the physical part of the football game. I didn't see Tucker out there. Is Tucker an outside linebacker now? Uh, I think he was playing in the middle. Um, I think he's doing inside linebacker, but you know, I don't remember. I didn't see him. You know, I don't remember seeing him either. I'm sure, you know, there's so many guys and it's hard to like, and, and the problem is coach, and this is funny. We were talking about this on the sidelines. Um, I go to all the summer workouts, you know, where they're just practicing and, and I've seen Tucker out there. He's been out there quite a bit, but you get to know everybody by face, you know, because you're there in t-shirts and shorts. There's no helmets. And you're pretty close to all the action. So you know everyone's face and all the freshmen. And so after a couple of practices, you get, to, you know, everyone, people come in, Hey, who's that? Who's that? You know, that's him, 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 him. But then you go to practice and, you know, fall camp or, you know, this happens for spring practice too. They put helmets on, they put jerseys on and you're a little further away. And now you have to identify everybody by number. And especially you got 20 something new freshmen or whatever. So you have to figure out, okay, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? So that's a lot of that yesterday. I don't remember. Seeing Tucker coach, but we'll watch for him at, at practice today. Right. He, he, we'll look for 34 out there, but I didn't see him yesterday. He probably was out there. I just happened to miss him because it, they weren't in front of us very long. They were working on some drills. and But uh, 
Linebacker-wise, I, I think they've got some quality kids. They've got some tough kids, kids that can run. They've got athletes. When you have athletes, what you do is, you know, you, you don't confuse them. You let them play and play the great game of football, and they have fun, and that's what it's all about. But they certainly have the talent. They, Brian, they got the talent. And that, believe me, I'll coach the whole team if you give me talent. I got a pretty good chance if I don't confuse them. <laughs> I'll coach the whole team. No one else has to help me or anything if I got better players than you do. That's a very good point, Coach. Uh, well, let's go to some questions. Uh, Tarek had a question. He said, you have been an offensive line coach before. What, in your opinion, is the best spot for Toa Lobendon to play and why? Well, he's really a talented guy. Uh, if uh, if you had the offensive tackles that you need, the bookends you'd have, he'd be a guard. He's going to be a guard in the NFL, I think. Uh, but he's such a talented offensive lineman. Obviously, last year when Wheeler went down, they needed him out there as far as that uh, left tackle. Now, I think he's going to challenge Wheeler, and he's going to make Wheeler a better football player. I really believe that. Because Wheeler knows now hey, there's somebody there that can play. So I think Wheeler now has recovered from his uh, knee surgery, and he's going to have to compete, or he's got a kid that started last year. So uh, good talent there. Uh, I think he's a great player. I think his NFL position is going to be a guard. Uh, but uh, right now, currently at USC, they have great guards. So I think it's the competition in the offensive line I think is going to be fierce. There's no question about depth, too, in the offensive line. Uh, now what you need to do is uh, is get them uh, ready to play, be aggressive, and teach them that you win football games at the line of scrimmage. Have them take a look at the national championship game and see what Ohio State did with the running game against the team that's won the Pac-12 the last several years, and that's Oregon. So if you get that offensive line doing some different things and believing in themselves and playing together, there's no reason why USC can't be in Ohio State as far as the offensive line. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think there's some people concerned last year with three true freshmen starting. I don't know what if you've had. I don't, I don't. Not a lot of people have had that, you know, at a at major college football coach. But I should should USC fans feel better if you have three true sophomores starting on the in the offensive line? I mean, a lot better than the, the when they they were true freshmen. Oh, I would say so. I'd say if I was the offensive line coach, man, Bob Conley comes in and has that type of group to coach. He can make me a pretty good coach, and uh, together we can be pretty good as a unit. And, uh, yeah, I'll, there's no question about it. The experience they got, you can't get that type of experience. And believing in themselves, playing as a unit, the whole package is something they've got to do. Now they've got to mature. And uh, I noticed a couple of them had a beard yesterday, so that means they've grown up a little bit. Yeah. And I've noticed that a couple of guys have gotten rid of their long hair, uh, not on the offensive line but other positions. And uh, there's uh, some changes. So, uh I like changes. I like people who get ready to play. I like people who are competitive. And right now there's a lot of competition out there. I said you get better when you play against great people and you have great people pushing you. You don't get better unless you go against great people and have great people pushing you. So uh, right now the offensive line, I would say, is sitting pretty good. I'd love to coach them. Uh, okay, Jamal had a question. He said, I heard the questions uh, about – defense and how Steve Sarkeesian and Justin Wilcox will adjust. I have a very simple plan. Just score as many points as possible. Even if we're up 28 points, we can always point to last year and how teams came back on us. Sark should never 
show mercy. What do you think, Coach Jamal? Well, Jamal, I'm one of those type of guys, too. I like to see him surrender. I like to see him throw the white towel out and say, okay, you're better than we are. You can't ever let up. Never let up on offense or defense, no matter what the score is. Even if you put in your second unit, which I hope they, uh, they're able to use this year as far as Max Brown and other uh, players getting experience, you go after it. You give them a chance to play. You don't try to hold down the score. You've got to get better by playing all your players and letting them play their game. You penalize your team and you penalize your players if you put them in and limit them to what they can do. You've got, you've got to be able to make them look forward to coming in on Sunday and looking at the tape, you know, be the first ones there. Because they know they got tape time. They got time to watch themselves. They got a way to improve themselves. And on the defensive side of the football, the same way. I wouldn't change my plan defensively. It's working. Get after them. Same philosophy on the defensive side of the football. You can't have any mercy in this football game. You got to, you've got to play. It's a tough game for tough people. And uh, winning today, there's so much parity that can you can never assume you've got a game one until you've done it. Uh, coach, let's uh, get a voicemail question here. This is uh, about uh, the head coach, so I wanted to uh, play this for you. Here you go. What's going on, guys? This is Randall in Dallas. My question this week is from Coach Hyde. I was hoping to get your opinion of Coach Sarkeesian. Um, what are your thoughts of him as a head coach? I know you disagree with his philosophies as far as uh, play calling and, and calling the players himself as a head coach. Um, also, would you be able to let us know you as an AD uh, how many phone calls would it take as far as other coaches that you would have offered the job to before uh, reaching out to Coach Sarkeesian? Thank you, and I'll fight on. Talk to you guys next week. Well, um, I, I, I want to clarify. First of all, it's not that I don't agree with everything Coach Sarkeesian is doing. It's just my opinion on some of the things he does when he does it and some of the offensive series he might run and whether or not completed. And certain things during the game, like I mentioned last year, and I mentioned not yet this year, on a, the first and goal on the one-yard line, I think obviously you should run the football. Uh, you're telling your offensive lineman that, hey, we don't have any faith in you. We can't get the ball in. I'm not a guy that looks for stats. I think sometimes the past two head coaches are really impressed with stats too, rather than, you know, winning a football game. I think that the last two years, or three years, the number of catches that Marquise Lee and Robert Woods caught were great, but uh, you have other great players. Share the love a little bit. I think you've got to do that. And if you've noticed since they've left SC, they've had injury prone the whole time. Woods and now Lee again this year. Kids get beat up. You've got to be able to share the love. So uh, I, 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 that now I couldn't hear the second part of it, Ryan. What was the second part? Oh, he um, the the last part he was talking about. What other, if you were the athletic director? What other names would have been? It's kind of a a hard question to answer if you would do it at all. But what other names would be on your list of coaches you would have hired before Steve Sarkeesian? Before Steve Sarkeesian, well, you know, you hit me sort of cold with this, so I'm not <laughs> going to say who I would have hired. I'll say this: I think Steve Sarkeesian was the guy they had in mind from the beginning. I think that uh, 
they wanted to bring in somebody that uh, had been at USC that they knew. I don't think they really took serious uh, Ed Orgeron. I don't think they took serious uh, really anybody else, I, uh, Chris Peterson. I, I don't. I think that uh, they talked to these coaches, and, and who else they talked to, I really don't know. It's just all rumor. But I think Steve Sarkeesian was the guy they went after. Steve Sarkeesian, they felt, was the coach for this period of time as far as with the FC football program. And they've said that themselves, that they felt that Steve Sarkeesian exactly fit what they needed at this time. So, uh, you know, there's other great coaches out there. I mean, probably the best coach in the country, and I mean, is Bill Snyder at Kansas State. Not that I'm telling you that Bill Snyder would have taken the job, because he owns the state of Kansas. But, uh, you know, he's a local guy from Southern California, coached at Foothill High School. So he knows Southern California. When you talk about his talent and what he does with his talent, he's beaten Texas five straight years in a row at Kansas State. Yes, he doesn't have a player that's in the, there are his recruiting classes. You can't even find him in the rankings. <laughs> so there's a lot of great coaches out there. But, you know, you have to get someone that fits what you want to do and the image and the marketing and all of the above. So that's a big process. So I'm not going to second-guess that. I'm just going to say currently right now I think Steve Sarkeesian was their number one choice in the beginning, and I think that's why they made such a quick hire uh, immediately following the UCLA game, and I think that's one reason Ed Orgeron was so upset and resigned and left. Um, okay, Coach, let's see. Andrew had a question. I'll, I'll give you some comments on it first and then get your thoughts. Uh, he said, can you guys define – uh, what does, what's the difference between a red shirt, a blue shirt, a gray shirt? Steve, Steve Sarkeesian mentioned blue shirting after practice and what are the benefits to each? And so for re- people who don't know, I mean, uh, blue shirting is a somewhat new phenomena in, uh, in college football and it's been used before. Steve Sarkeesian actually talked about it after practice a little bit, um, yesterday. And so typically what you see for a recruited class is, um, you know, you get to sign 25 players during one cycle, but a lot of times teams don't sign all 25 and they have a few l- rides left over. What you normally would see was for the next recruiting cycle, if a player would graduate early and you could get them in the spring, you can bring them in on scholarship and actually have them count backwards. So if you didn't use all your rides from the class of 2014 and 2015, if someone comes in like Ricky town was an early enrollee, he could roll back and count towards last year. Now, USC's situation is different because they've been using up all the previous scholarships because they've only had 15 over the last three years. So you have kind of mix and match moving around. So what was happening was that the philosophy going forward was to blue shirt, which is to go in the other direction and borrow from next year's class. So you're kind of borrowing, uh, it's like a, on your future as opposed to what you didn't use in the past. And so Last year, we saw the kicker, Matt Boremeister, get a scholarship on the second day of fall camp. And we knew there wasn't any scholarships left, so we had to ask why. And they actually came out and explained, well, he's blue shirting. Um, because he wasn't a recruited athlete, he came in as a walk-on. We gave him a scholarship after camp started, and that allowed him to count towards next year's class. He can play this year, but he would count towards next year. So they used that uh, a lot more uh, this year. And there's four or five guys that are coming in on blue shirts. Now, the yesterday, uh, Sunday was the second day of fall camp. And that's when we thought they would announce when all these blue shirts are. But they did, they showed everyone on the roster, um, you know, that was coming in there. 
uh, but they just haven't announced them as being on scholarship yet. So what Steve Sarkeesian told us was that they're going to, uh, they're getting all the paperwork together and they want to announce all of these guys at once. So probably sometime today, it'll be very soon. Once everyone signs all their paperwork and all that kind of stuff, um, they are really essentially these, these, these guys are walk-ons for a couple of days of camp, you know, through the whole summer and a couple of days of camp. So you haven't, they didn't announce who these players were, even though they were recruited. They're going to get their blue shirt. They'll get their scholarship. So from today or, or the next day or whatever it is on, they'll be on scholarship. They just had to kind of start off a little slower. They couldn't, they weren't on scholarship in the summer like all the players that signed in February. These guys just had to wait a little bit. So they'll all count towards the class of 2016. Um, so I, I don't, any other comments on that, Coach? But I just wanted to kind of explain what was going on specifically with the USC blue shirt situation. No, oh, you're exactly right. And the gray shirt is when an athlete uh, comes to school and takes uh, below 11, uh, 12 units. You're considered a full-time student at 12 units. And that means your clock doesn't start. So you're a part-time student. And then when you become a full-time student, your clock starts. But you have basically the old rule used to say you have five to play four, four to play five. Now you can petition more than you've ever been able to do before to get that extra year. So gray shirting is mean, uh, you know, it's like a red shirt, except it doesn't count towards your clock. So uh, there's all these different ways that uh, you can manipulate and use to further develop your roster and sometimes when you have great players and the player wants to commit to you and come to your university or rather than say no I can't take you you say yes we want to take you but we've got a, a blue shirt you and that is basically telling them hey everything's the same except you've got to wait until the fall when we when you come to camp and we can give you scholarship then yeah that, and red shirt I think I think people understand that's just anyone can red shirt just because like coach said you have five years to play four that year you don't play if you take a year not to play is a redshirt year. And sometimes it's because a guy gets injured. Sometimes just because he's young and they, you know, a lot offensive linemen redshirt frequently because they don't start all the time. Although last year USC had three freshmen starting. Um, but you know, so usually by the redshirt freshman year, then it's like your second year in the program. So they're, yeah, they're, they're all different shirts. They kind of do accomplish different things. There's no, shirt for a early enrollee that would be i don't know what you could call it a purple shirt or something some guys that early and en- you know enroll early uh but yeah it's, it can be confusing and you normally don't run into situations like this but because of the sanctions uh this is a way for usc to build up the roster and try to get back up to that 85 number uh a little quicker and without the blue shirting guys um really it w- they'd probably be under 75 this year and with the blue shirts, they'll be, you know, in the high 70s. So uh, it will, it doesn't, it only allows you to bring in, you know, they'll be only bringing in 21 guys or so for the class of 2016. But of course, you can blue shirt and, and borrow some ahead. So it's, he's trying to get this roster back up to full strength. And you can see, coach, the benefits of doing that. Just it looks so different having this many scholarship players out on the practice field than it has over the last three years. So I agree with the strategy you're kind of borrowing you know from against your future earnings i guess you could say but they needed to get this roster back up it just it makes practices different i think it's changing the whole look of this team and i think that's going to pay off uh in spades to this season it will you've got the talent on the field now you need to coach them and you need to get put them in a position where they can perform and uh win and that's what the job of the coaching staff is is to recruit them develop them keep them graduate them 
and win football games. So basically it's a tough job, but they certainly have the number one thing that starts it all, and that's the talent. We got one last question for you, Coach. Actually, it has to do with recruiting, and I know you like to follow recruiting. He says, uh, hey, Ryan, this is Dennis from Lancaster. My question is for Coach Hyde. With the decommitment of Melky Stovall as a former coach, would you still try to recruit this player, or would it throw up a red flag versus a player who commits but still does other school visits? Love the show and fight on. Well, you know, there's different reasons uh, players decommit. First of all, you don't know just how hard right now USC has been recruiting him, even that he was a committed player. And other schools are saying, when's the last time that they called you? When's the last time that uh, you you were involved in their program? And, you know, they're still trying to recruit him. Just because you commit to somebody doesn't mean everybody else is still trying to commit him and convince him. Look how many receivers they have. You can start for us. You're this, you're that. So just because you commit doesn't mean people are still going to call unless your parents answer every phone call and say, please don't call my son anymore. He's definitely going to be a Trojan, so please don't bother him. Then most coaches will respect that. But as long as the athlete will accept calls, those coaches will keep calling because they know he's not that committed. He's committed, but he's listening. He's listening to see if there's another opportunity. Plus, he's watching on what's happening at the school he committed to to see what is my competition like. Now, I have always felt this way. If a player decommits, that I've been recruiting hard and I have not slow played him. I mean, I want this kid and he doesn't commit to me and he says, no, I'm going somewhere else. And I more or less say, you know what? I think it's a good idea too, but you really don't love me. It's like us being engaged and you still want to go out. You've heard me use that with other people. So sometimes I say, you know, I might, I might think that's a good idea. You know, if you're not yet ready to get married with us, and your commitment doesn't mean more than that to us when I can't give another kid a scholarship because I'm counting you as a scholarship. It might be a good idea. And in my mind, I know that that kid's wanting to go somewhere else because he doesn't think he can play. He's looked at the positions, he's looked at our recruits, and he doesn't think he can play at our level. So in my mind, I don't tell him this, but I know in his mind he says, I can't play there. And because if he could play at USC and I committed him a scholarship and he's not sure after he committed, then there's some question about him and he'll never beat us. Always felt that way. Always felt that he knows when we take the field against us, in his mind he knows I couldn't play there, practice there, whatever. So I did that. I'm not saying that's the norm with everybody, but in my mind, if you decommit for me and I've been really recruiting you hard, really recruiting you hard, and I'm not slow playing you and I really want you, then I'm not sure you really wanted us. So I'll let him go. All right. Coach, great. It's always great to get insight. It was funny because, yeah, it's like as a former head coach, how does that all work? So it's cool to get that, that kind of insight into the recruiting world. But uh, thanks again. And it was good to see you out there at practice over the weekend. I we'll hope to see you out there again soon. And thanks for answering everyone's questions. I think it was a good show. Thank you very much, and I'll see you this afternoon, Ryan, 2.30. 2.30 out there. Watch a little football, buddy. Some football with pads on today. So the shoulder pads on Tuesday, uh, Monday and Tuesday, and then full pads on Wednesday. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, but thank you, Coach, and everyone else. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. And here's a message from SC Tickets. Tickets, tickets, tickets. 
SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.